welcome to Once More with Commentary, a Buffy and Angel podcast. I'm Allie. I'm Jenny. And today we're talking about two to go. Two to go. Yeah. And uh, not villains. Oops, that's the one last time. And Benediction. <laughs> yes. So. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> How are you, Jenny? You know, not bad. Uh, I had a nice evening yesterday. Hung out with one of my friends. She met my cat. She brought little costumes for my cat. Aww. The cat did not. She did not enjoy that, but I enjoyed it. So what are you going to do? I didn't uh, realize she little... hadn't met um, Ripley yet. Yeah, no, I know. Yeah. I um, um, I only know that this happened because I follow both of you on Instagram. <laughs> yeah. And so for like two hours, the same story kept popping up twice. <laughs> I know. Because <laughs> she was, ta- you know, yeah, it's true. Uh, I have no regrets, though. Yeah, we put a little lion's mane on Ripley. It looked adorable. I mean, she barely tolerated it. Which is to say, she didn't tolerate it at all. I just held her still enough for like two photos. She's like, this person is not allowed to come back to our house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. She did also bring her treats, so I, I don't know. I don't actually think Ripley's that discerning. I feel like she's really not going to remember. Uh, but yeah, so it was, good, it was a good time, and I hung out with some other friends on Friday, so just kind of been a chill hangout kind of weekend. Those are the best. How are you doing? Yeah. yeah. Not, I haven't had any time for Zelda, though, so that's a little... Oh, well... <laughs> I haven't had much time, rather. Well, it's it's fine. It seems like you already have plenty to talk about. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Claire and I are going to start our, our own third podcast that's just about Breath of the Wild. <laughs> we'll call it, What Did You Cook Today? Just kidding. Uh, if anyone's um, wondering what we're talking about, on <laughs> Friday, I was tired of Jimmy and Claire both separately texting me, chatting with me about their love for the Zelda game on the Switch. And finally I was like, you know what? You both should talk to each other about this. And I set them up in a G-chat and immediately I was just like, jaw on the floor, like, what is happening? <laughs> like, that was great. You guys went off in like another language entirely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it was good. It's, it's, it's so... It's it's shocking though because okay I I have talked to a lot of not a lot I have a handful of other people that I've talked about this with uh you know people that have already mostly people that have already played the game but then Alex and I also started playing around the same time but I guess what I'm she was she talked about like so many things I'm like I where are you I haven't seen any of that like we have not been playing the same game but that again is why the game is so interesting is because it's like literally everybody does something different yeah there's like so many different ways to attack all the like what the missions and the things that you want to do and like also you don't have to do there's pretty much nothing that you have to do so uh, once you get off of the very very intro like place like you can do nobody is playing the same game she's literally fighting a dragon i was like i didn't know there were dragons in this game (laughs) (laughs) or rescuing a dragon or something i don't know as i haven't seen it yeah she's on an ice mountain i was like i'm literally climbing through a lava mountain right now <laughs> like we're not doing the same I thing, liked her comment so. where she was like in the desert and Ryan was like it's too early <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, yeah that was anyway. really really hilarious um yeah yes um my, uh, so thank you for that yeah. how are you actually though other than that other than matchmaking Zelda players <laughs> <laughs> um I yesterday had a really great day where I started out like I was just like very active yesterday which sounds like not that like big of an accomplishment but I just like have been really trying lately to like make an effort to like 
get outside like once a day. Mm-hmm. Um, I might fail today, but that's okay. It's because I, I like did like 12 miles yesterday. So I was yeah. like, when did that happen? Um, so I like went for a walk in the morning and then I was like working on like a cooking project. And then my friend like texted me and she was like, hey, are you around? Do you want to go for a walk? And I was like, yeah, why not? <laughs> and then <laughs> I, yeah, I just ended up, like, walking all over the city, and, like, I walked home, like, through this route that I used to take from my old job, and, like, it's, like, super hilly, and I was just, like, really proud of myself, because I was, like, I still got it, like, (laughs) I didn't die, um, so, yeah, my legs are, like, super tired today, but I just feel, like, you know, that, like, very accomplished feeling, so, yeah, which, honestly, like, I only ever really get from exercise, I don't know, Mm. like, I think it's just that, I don't get that feeling. It's it's a weird feeling of accomplishment where I just feel like I did something nice for myself, you know. Mm. Yeah. I feel that way after I clean my bathroom. Well, I mean, so you know. I never feel that way after yeah. I clean my bathroom. Yeah. So. <laughs> I've literally never felt that way after exercise, though. People constantly are like, no, you get endorphins. I'm like, I have never, ever in my life felt that. And I used to actually, like, you know, like, played sports in high school. Like, I, I don't know. I used to exercise a lot. I'm not saying I never felt satisfied from, like, winning, but, like, I don't know. But you never like I never felt went a rush a of endorphins. You, were like, you know, I have occasionally had so much pent up energy that I've needed to go for a run, but th- that's the the reverse. Where it's like there was one time where I was like just out of nowhere, I was like I like need to go run outside, <laughs> and then I ran around. And I was like that felt good, but like it was the other. You know what I mean? It was like the other way around. It was like I wasn't like oh I have to do this. And then afterwards I felt good. It was like I need to just burn this energy off some way. I don't know. Maybe I have, and I just don't know what it feels like. Or I'm dead inside and have no feelings. That's okay. Like, I read all that stuff about ASMR, and I'm like, yeah, I never Oh, exactly. Never I do get that. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely get that. I get that sometimes unintentionally, just out and about in the world. That's. I mean, I get, like, creepy. shivers, but, like, that's... Hmm. Are they pleasant? Well, like, sometimes, but, like, it's well, it's then, not, like, I don't know. Like, I just, like, you know, hmm. fingernails on a chalkboard, like, ugh, you know, that's not pleasant. Well, that's bad. <laughs> that's not pleasant. <laughs> uh, all right. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, all right. So let's talk about two to go. Two to go. Okay. So, I mean, I, as I always do, I'm like, this episode was so straightforward. So let's see how quickly I can do this. I mean, this obviously picks up where we left off, which is that Willow's killed Warren, Buffy, and Xander, and Anya all more or less watched it happen. Um, and they quickly realize that she's going to not just stop with Warren. She's going to go after Jonathan and Andrew next. Uh, so, you know, also they pretty much say everything that you and I said last week, which is like, I mean, Warren was one thing, but Jonathan and Andrew, like, we can't let this happen. And specifically, I think it is that they're, they don't want Willow to keep crossing this line. It's bad. What's happened is already bad. They don't want this to keep going on. So they're all going to try and stop her. But of course she's mega powerful now. She's put all kinds of obstacles in their way. I'm sorry, obstacles in their way. Like she's broken down Xander's car so that they can't quickly chase after her. Um, they know that Jonathan and Andrew are in the like, you know, county jail or whatever right now. Um, and they're struggling to get there before Anya reveals that like, Hey, Willow is definitely flying, but I can teleport. So Anya goes there to try and convince the, you know, guards to let them out of jail. This is obviously not going to work. Um, while Buffy straight up just runs (laughs) and Xander is kind of left behind to like catch up later. Um, but, you know, Willow eventually makes it to the um, jail. She starts dismantling the wall. There's tons of cops there. They're not able to stop her. They also don't really shoot at her, so we can talk about that. Uh, but at the last minute, Buffy is able to get there, and 
and sneak them away. But now Willow realizes that, you know, basically her friends are trying to thwart her. So there's some chase scenes. Willow eventually runs out of, starts running out of like steam, you know, basically running out of magical powers, which Jonathan recognizes and is able to kind of tell Buffy like, Hey, she's going to need to rest for a while or need to find some way to power herself back up. So they have a little bit of time to kind of come up with some other plan or to come up with some sort of escape plan. Um, Eventually, now I'm losing the narrative, (laughs) but suffice it to say, everybody ends up fighting one another. Buffy and Willow eventually have a showdown over, um, I almost called him Spike, over Andrew and Jonathan. They are hiding, hiding them. They end up in the magic shop. They're trying to do research and figure out what they can do. Anya realizes that she can put a protection spell, I guess, around Willow and not really around the boys. Um, so they have this big showdown in the magic shop, uh, Willow is totally kicking Buffy's butt, and then she notices that Anya's there casting a spell. So that also starts to go badly, but luckily at the last minute, somebody swings through the door heroically, and it's Giles. Giles! (laughs) Uh, There were a lot of other little side side things in there, but it was all basically along the same line of they're being hunted, Willow finds them, they have a fight, they keep going. Oh, actually, the one thing that I did leave out is that Willow does find a way to power herself up, and it's by going back to our old friend, Rack. He's another one that dies that I don't uh, feel any remorse about. That was fine. (laughs) Uh, That was fine. She also kills him and uses all of his magic, steals all of his magic. Um, Yeah, I mean, Dawn is there. She's hanging out with Clem. She sort of tries to step in. Obviously, it does not work. Um, That's pretty much that. I guess I will start at the end. Okay. Um, I... Mm-hmm. Really happy to see Giles. So happy. <laughs> so happy to see Giles. And I will be my broken record self for a second here and just say again, I've binged this season so many times. I have never watched it so slowly. I always felt like Giles was barely gone. Right? I always was like, he just left and comes right back. And so like, why do they even make such a big stink about it? And especially because he kind of does... He's also, like, in and out of the next season, so I just have this impression of it's like, yeah, he's in six six and seven less, but he's not, like, gone for that long. But, like, he's been gone for so long. (laughs) I was like, oh, my God, I'm so grateful to see you finally. Like, it's so satisfying at that end to just, like, not just to see his face again, but to also feel like there's maybe some hope. Yeah. Yeah. Man, he's been gone for a long time. I think I totally agree with you. I have also in the past felt like he was barely gone in this time. I didn't even really notice it until he came back, but I was like, oh my God, wow, it's Giles. Like he's been gone forever. (laughs) And and immediately the show felt different to me. Like it does. Some there's an adult in the room and like somebody is here to help and he's gonna know what to do. And you know, also I think because Giles was the one that was always really on Willow's case about the magic, mm-hmm. you know, to have him come back and be like, I mean, we only get a brief scene in this episode, but to have it clear that like he's going to be her opponent feels right. really fitting. It does. I agree. And you're right that it does. <laughs> there is definitely this sense of like, oh my God, someone's in here to fix everything. <laughs> Like, knowing that that's not really how it's going to play out, it still is a really satisfying turn of events, you know? Yeah. No, you're so right. God, I missed Giles. Yeah. He has, like, two seconds in this episode, and it was like, yeah, I'm so happy. Yeah, he's barely in it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's like, I'd like to test that theory. I'm like, I want mm-hmm. you to test that theory. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, totally. Um, I guess just kind of an overall comment for this episode, though. I think that, and then I think this tracks with what we, what I said, what we both said last week, but I, 
I really do like this Dark Willow storyline. I mean, again, like having watched it so quickly so many times, I feel like there have been times where I'm like, oh, it's just kind of this weird, you know, like it's fine, but like whatever. But I am actually really enjoying it. I really liked this episode too. I felt like they did a nice job. Like it was a, you guys, it was a very Terminator-esque episode. Like there were clear nods, at least to Terminator, if not other action movies that I'm less familiar with. Um, And the whole initial chase scene between Willow and Xander and Buffy and the, remaining duo like when she's on that that 18 wheeler truck like I felt like that was like appropriately like heart thumping like it was a really cool sequence and like just kind of all of it is just this like she's just this very single-minded presence that's like I guess I just mean it's good suspense and good action which is like Buffy is often pretty good at I think action and stuff but that's really not its biggest strength like it's sometimes you know it's like they're adequate but then there's a couple times when it's really good and I feel like this was one where I was like this was really good you guys are really nailing it No, I agree. Like, I thought all of that was really good. And I, you know, Andrew's call out, calling her Mm -hmm. Dark Phoenix. I was like, oh, Mm -hmm. this kind of is Buffy's version of Dark Phoenix almost. Um, But yeah, all of that, like, I, again, I also wouldn't be able to recognize any uh, nods to other action franchises, but um, (laughs) it did feel very, like, suspenseful and it felt like there were actual stakes, like, you know, it did, yeah. Usually Buffy's saving the world in this very abstract way, and this time she has a very specific mission to save these two people who, interestingly, I think the the wrinkle, you know, is that she doesn't much really care what happens to them, but she just knows right. that, like, Willow can't become a killer. And, right. you know, so she's got this very specific mission, but everything around it feels really big, right? Like, Willow's breaking into the police station in a very... Um, well, it would be a visual it set a piece term- if it weren't done in 2002, but it, yes, you know, yes. it is a big moment and she, you know, breaks into the prison and she's thwarted, but like everything about that, like this is not happening off in a corner where, you know, maybe two people notice it. Like this is front right, and center right. in the town. Um, how Willow gets out of having assaulted a police station, I don't know. Yeah. You know, I mean, going after Rack, like all of that, it all feels very big in a way. And and that everybody's involved in some way, like even Dawn deciding, you know, she's not going to sit down and be babysat and she's going to go after and help as much as she can, which yeah. turns out to not be very much, but <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I definitely agree with you. I, it does. You're right. That like part of what is making it so effective is how real it feels because it's happening to all the actual characters that we, yeah know and love um and happening you know between them like among them yeah and like that there's you know they're all looking at willow as like someone that they love and you know still slowly coming to grips that like this isn't really willow um but that doesn't really make her actions any less hurtful like i found myself really wondering for a second like if she could turn dawn back into the key right and that scene was really rough too though that was yeah i mean what do i want to say about it i guess i just Yes, you're right. It's like it, but it's not just that she's maybe not exactly herself, but she really she was enough of herself to know exactly the most hurtful things to say to Dawn. Exactly. You know, like that was like that was more than just I'm kind of this single minded evil being right now. It was like I am still have enough of Willow in there to to kind of be getting some things off of her chest that are like maybe she does think them a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah, maybe like, she wouldn't she say it. She must like think her... some of it if that, you know, that can't just be sitting there if you don't at least think it's true a little bit. 
Yeah, and I think you're right because I think we also see that when she's talking to Buffy about Willow. Yeah, like exactly. You know, oh, poor Willow, like always getting picked on, always like mousy, always you know, and like I think that was also and always something the that we talked about before where. Willow gravitated to magic because she felt like without mm-hmm. it she wasn't really worth much, which is we've talked about is crazy because Willow was already MVP before she ever did a spell. It's true. Um, but this idea that she has that like magic is what makes her worthwhile and that Tara yeah. is the only other thing that made her worthwhile or that Tara right. saw her. And yeah. and I think it works. Like I think having Willow's it devastation come from yeah. feeling like there isn't anybody Inadequate. left to really yeah. see her. Yeah, yeah. And and I actually think it's true. That that was another encounter that I thought was really, really well done. You know, this the first time that Buffy and... Um, or I guess, maybe, I don't know if it was the first time or the second time, but one of the times that Buffy and Will were, you know, confronting one another, and Buffy is giving her this very, like, generic, like, there's so much to live for kind of speech. And, it, and Willow immediately is like, you, of all people, cannot... You know that I can't hear this from you. Like, that you who've been moping around, you know, for months, like, are not the one who's going to convince me that there's more here, you know, there's more for me to stay around for. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Something I I, I just really thought that was, like, a, a well-thought-out encounter where it's, like, it's true because Buffy, Buffy can't be the hero in this situation because she needs to save herself first, which I think is a very, you know, it is a very, like, put your own air mask on before you help the person next to you because, like, you can't do what you're supposed to do if you're not fixing your own problems. And I think, I guess I just mean like they're just doing a very nice job of kind of illustrating that here is it's like Buffy can't rescue Willow because Buffy's not in a much better place. (laughs) Well, and also because it's Willow and Willow knows everything. Like I think it really works because Buffy's always going to try like, and you see her trying here and she's doing, she's giving more of an effort than you might think she's able to muster. Like she's half convincing, but she's, she might be able to convince like any random demon encounter, but this isn't anyone that random, this is Willow and Willow knows what Buffy's been going through. And so Willow is just going to laugh this off as like, I know what you're trying to do and it's hollow and it doesn't work, which is why I think the direction that ultimately they go and work so well, but you do have to explore this first because you don't want to see Buffy not at least try. I agree. And I think, yes, it's totally in line. She needs to try. She And she tries both of her real avenues, right? Which is she tries this emotional gambit first. It doesn't work. And then she tries to just physically best her. And that also doesn't work. Which is, I think, something to meditate on and maybe come back to eventually. But, um, like, really, what is the power dynamic between Willow and Buffy? And, like, Willow is definitely more powerful than Buffy by the end of this season. But T- TBD, you know, yeah. pin, in, pin in that. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I don't know. I did. I found them that Willow's like monologues and her actual dialogues with Buffy, I found them to be very satisfying. I really appreciated seeing her really break down. Like, this is how I felt for this whole time, you know, and she is tired of being the sidekick and she's tired of being, you know, Willow. And it's obviously very heartbreaking because we know and love Willow. But I think that's how all the characters feel is it's like, how, how could she possibly think these things about herself when she has so many fans? But I get it. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, and I think there's a little bit of, um, <clears throat> I don't know if it's like a gift for the fans or like just long time payoff, oh. but like to see mm-hmm. Willow kind of revel in like breaking out of her sidekick status. Like if you yeah. if you've been watching and you think, I mean, my God, Willow is like the most powerful person. You know, how is she constantly relegated to sidekick status? Just to see that True. little moment, it was a little bit cathartic, but 
True. Yeah. I also thought her encounter with Dawn was also a little bit of meta commentary again, where she was like, "Ugh, wine, wine, wine. You're always whining." I was like, "Yeah, I, this is how I, I agree, but this is how everybody sounds when they hate on Dawn. They sound just like Evil Willow <laughs> trying to hurt her feelings." I mean, everything Willow said was uh, true. Buffy Let's died. just acknowledge uh, that. She was, <laughs> it was, but also one of the things that she said was like, "Wham, my mom died. Wham, my sister died." I'm like, Willow, those are real things to be sad about. <laughs> um. Anyway. So, okay, who else to circle in on? I have some real questions about Anya in this episode. All right. I don't I don't know. It's not that it rang untrue to me, but I just I don't understand her motives anymore. I feel like last episode it was clear that she was there to help Willow get vengeance, and in this episode I don't know who she's I guess it's just that she isn't totally evil and that's kind of, you know, even though she's a demon and she's given maybe given up her soul question mark we really don't ever get clarity on that i don't think like is this just because who is she trying to protect here though honestly because buffy and xander are really only trying to protect willow you know yeah I, is she trying to protect willow i read it as she could be but initially anya was like on the side of vengeance but that willow has moved past vengeance to like because for her she felt like i feel like for anya with warren it worked because Warren was the target of the vengeance, and Warren is the one who killed Tara. But it's true that Andrew and Jonathan were sitting in a jail cell when that happened. So I think her connection to Willow over that gets a little bit frayed because Willow's no longer operating on straight vengeance. And that's why Anya kind of, I think, is needs to call out, like, you know, I can't really feel her anymore because this isn't vengeance. And but why does she keep helping them? Well, I, I guess, think she's really helping them question. because I think you're right. I think it's still Anya. She still cares about these people and I think she's recognizing this huge threat that Willow is posing. Like, mm-hmm. she can't just let yeah. Willow go off into the world. Like, you know, first of all, let's never forget Anya still cares about her shop and <laughs> <That's true>. <laughs> Willow has <laughs> totally destroyed it. But also, like, I think she's, <clears throat> as she makes clear in this, this episode, like, she does still care for Xander and his friends. It's true. So I think I guess I that's think really that's the why. reason. I think you're right. I just I think you're right. And I think that's why, even though I'm asking that question, I'm not asking it to. I, I don't mean like, haha, got you show. Like I'm not. It's not that I think that they're doing it wrong. I just did have to stop and think like, okay, but what is what are her motives now? And I think you're right. That really the only answer is that she still cares about these people, and it's kind of. I mean, it's more care than I feel like she's really shown to them ever, even before. So it is a little bit surprising, but not really. Yeah, I think she's also just really in a hurt place herself. You know, like she's still just so sad about everything that's happened. She's I guess what I mean to say is maybe she's been broken down a little bit, too, where now some of her walls that she was kind of keeping up are not really there either. Yeah. And I also think that like maybe Anya with her new restored demonhood is she's not really flighty Anya like the same way. Like I was noticing like the way they seem to be writing her. She's more serious. Yeah. the, Mm -hmm. The way they seem to be writing her is a lot different. Too. And and I think what also makes her motivations a little muddy is like the restrictions that they're placing on her powers. So mm-hmm. you know, she's teleporting in and out of the jail cell, but she's she can't take them with her. Like mm-hmm. she's like, oh, that's not how it works. And it's like, well, that's kind right. of convenient. Like Anya can show up it's and true. sound the alarm, but she can't actually do anything. Um, yeah. And maybe that's because Buffy ultimately has to do something. So they have her break them out of prison. But you know, it's a little frustrating to watch her like flit in and out of the jail cell and they're still sitting there and it's like, I mean, right. why not just teleport them out? But, you know, and I think those restrictions that they put on her somewhat unnecessarily, like really muddy the waters of her motivations. Yeah, it's true. 
Yeah. That's not her fault. (laughs) It's not. Yeah. Like, I was wondering until she said something, like, why won't you just break them out of jail? (laughs) Right. Yeah. You're not above the law. (laughs) Right, 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 right. Jonathan and Andrew also continue to be very intriguing. I... I love Jonathan in this episode. I know. Me too. He's... I'm so sad that he's ended up this way. I I thought it was a very telling moment, though, in the episode um, when they're at some point when they're being chased after they've rescued them. He says, you know, she was always just Willow. And that's kind of his like he's surprised that she's made this turn. But you could really say the same thing about him. Yeah. Or all of them. And so I thought that was a very interesting. He has a lot of introspection in this episode. I feel like that was the only moment that he didn't really like realize he could be talking about himself. Um yeah, he was but always I, just I just thought Jonathan. it was very interesting. Yeah, you were always just Jonathan, too, so... But that's maybe how he ended up there, because he was always just Jonathan. Exactly. And, and I will say, I don't know if we've mentioned this yet, but I... You know, Willow goes off on this path because of her grief around Tara, but she really likes the magic because it gives her this power that she felt like no one else would give her. <laughs> I'm, and I'm sorry, the, the magics... The magic. They kept calling it the magic. Yes, in this episode. the magic. Was driving plural, me yes. up the wall. Did not like that. Yeah. No, it's just magic. The magic is fine. Yes, but the Sorry. the parallel between her and the trio of using mm-hmm. this to take something that they felt like the world didn't give them. I actually mm-hmm. think it. I don't know. Again, I don't know. If this was always the plan, but like the bow that this ties on this is just so lovely to me because it's, it's like you you you're going the entire season and you think the trio are going to be the big bad, right? Yeah. And ultimately, they're not. Like they they trigger this other big bad that's Willow, but they're all coming from the same place and they're going it's about true. it yeah. in different ways. Where you know they ultimately all kind of turn to this evil path. Willow, we could argue, is a little bit fuzzier like is she truly just like she's right she's How not much evil is- if the magic isn't in her but when, once it is she becomes this other thing the trio yeah. arguably have some questionable morals just as humans oh, Warren yes, is they definitely, evil yeah. just generally um but the way that they end up where they are and that she ends up being their ultimate foe is really interesting, you know? Like, this yeah. is what happens when people feel like they're denied something and that they're not given the respect that they deserve. And they're all talking mm-hmm. about the same thing. Like like you said, like Jonathan saying, oh, she was always just Willow, but, like, for everyone else, oh, it was always just Jonathan. The, mm-hmm. For now, up until now, the difference has always been that Willow has had people who love her and, like, tell her that they love her. And, like, so Willow's right. felt like she's part of this thing. Whereas Jonathan, it's clear, didn't have any of that. And now right. Willow feels like the one thing that she counted on the most has been taken away from her and like yeah the difference still is that everybody has given up on Jonathan and Andrew and true they're fighting like hell to save Willow right so it's true it's true it's really interesting but they're not that different it's true yeah that is interesting and I appreciate though that again even after all of that knowing that they're not really there to save him Jonathan still really does turn it around I mean he he's obviously been he was never as evil as the others or as careless as the others I think I think Andrew is more just oblivious and, you know, self-involved in a way to not notice exactly what he's doing. Well, and Jonathan has um, been betrayed in a way that Andrew wasn't. So I think that that's he true. also just feels like he has no dedication to this cause anymore. That's true. That's true. But he does definitely say, like, hey, we did something and we need to go to jail for it. And, hey, yeah. we did this and this needs to happen. And, like, this is fair. And he tries to, t- you know, he ultimately stops Andrew from sort of threatening Xander, although that threat was not very convincing, and I'm honestly surprised Xander didn't just, like, punch him in the face. Yeah. <laughs> but whatever. Um, 
yeah, no, but I agree. I really like Jonathan in this episode. Yeah. I mean, after all this, I still run rooting for him. Like, I just wish he could turn it around and be the, you know, be the Emmy award winning Oscar winning writer that he is now in the real world. <laughs> I'm like, I wish Jonathan, that could happen for Jonathan too. Like, I know anyway. it is, it is always a little bit sad to me that Jonathan never just became another member of the gang. Yeah. I did feel like he was teasing Andrew though in jail. He did call him Warren's girlfriend and that there's definitely, I think been, <laughs> I mean, there definitely, I, I think have been plenty of subtext that Andrew is, into Warren, but they know, ne- I don't think that ever gets ex- made explicit in the show exactly, but I did feel like Jonathan was kind of teasing Andrew for being gay, but I, they don't ever exactly bring that up. Yeah. I couldn't uh, tell in a more was, surface level way. That's what he It was, feels so obvious to me though, in these last few episodes, watching the way that they're writing Andrew speak about Warren, but I, it's like, I don't want to put words into his mouth, but it's weird that they don't just bring it up. Yeah. I, I couldn't tell if that's <laughs> I don't really what know what to make of that. We're doing, or if it was like, he was teasing him because of his like devotion to Warren. Like I couldn't really tell if it was like kind of homophobic or if it was more just just like, what's wrong with you? Like snap out of it. Like you're devoted to this guy who does not care about you. Um, but which also kind of speaks a little bit to like Jonathan's misogyny, which is like, Oh, girlfriends are just people who like, no, I know themselves. (laughs) Either way. It was a not, it wasn't a great moment for Jonathan regard. Yeah, exactly. There's definitely some, homophobia and misogyny and you know laced into that comment either way but yeah hmm. speaking well, of misogyny though i know you kind of mentioned it already but oh very happy that rack got his and oh, i was too. like not me at too. all bothered about that and also i forgot that's where willow got the veins <laughs> yeah oh i guess i didn't exactly put that together but yeah you're right she didn't have them before no it's true and i like that was another scene that i felt like they played really well i don't normally like you know I don't like twists just for twists sakes, but I appreciated like kind of watching him feel like he had the upper hand as he's like giving her this long speech about herself and everything he knows about her. It was like super obnoxious. And then she's just like, actually, uh, you're dead now. <laughs> I was like, yeah, no, I'm fine with that. I also, you know, I do still like Clem. I think he's a terrible babysitter. <laughs> I should not let him do this again. Um, he's like so anxious do, that he's not doing it right that Don can so easily like convince him. He must like, manipulate him. Do all these other things. He's like, okay. <laughs> it's true. But I did definitely think like in if this were the real world, Clem could have a really successful YouTube series <laughs> of like a demon tests nacho cheese chips. Like <laughs> I just found that scene very amusing. Um, but yeah. He could, you're right. He could be a top top level youtuber (laughs) i do i do also feel again like what to make of it because don is definitely right that like she's more capable than anybody is giving her credit for she's certainly she's at least 16 at this point um but then in in the same you know in the same span of a few minutes they they do go to seek out rack and clem is like trying to warn her away from it because he's like oh rack likes little girls and don is so stuck on the idea that he just called her a little girl that she doesn't really hear what he said or like understand what that means to her. And I felt like that was interesting. (laughs) I think mostly is that they're just not really dwelling on it in the episode because it's like way beside the point of anything else. That's the main focus here. But I did think it was kind of, it is true that Don, she still really needs to grow up in a lot of ways. Yeah. Not that that's a surprise to anyone. I feel like (laughs) I'm saying water is wet, but you know what I mean though? It's like, I, I often defend her because I think they just don't it's not always 
Don the character's fault, like the things that are that make her kind of irritating. But I do feel like this was a good example of like, actually, she does still need to grow up. Yeah. Not just because they accidentally th- wrote her like a 13 year old when she's 16. But she sounds really, she really doesn't understand naive things. the way she kind of glosses over Clem's like warning to her warning. about rap. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and I also was thinking about this just watching this episode. I was really thinking about the wardrobe that they have Dawn in. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really intentional because they do write her fairly young for her age. and But they also seem to dress her... I wouldn't say that they seem to dress her young for her age. I think they dress her young for her age compared to the way that they dressed Buffy. True. Um, you know, like, when Buffy was a senior in high school, she was basically dressing like she was going to, like, an office job every day, right? Right. Yes. And yes, your favorite thing to say about Buffy. <laughs> yeah, it is. But it's, but it's also, like, I You're think right, it's though. true. Yeah. Like, the outfits that they had her in were very adult. And the outfits that they have Dawn in are very not. And mm-hmm. it's almost like they're trying to split the difference between Buffy and Willow, like, their wardrobes when they were in high school. Because Dawn mm-hmm. kind of lands somewhere in between them, right? Um, yeah, but she's she's definitely dressing more like a middle schooler than like Buffy's version of I a high she, schooler. I guess you know it's just like I think she really and, looks age appropriate. It's no, just she that, does. Yeah, that's you're right. The thing. They, they like aged Buffy up a saw lot. So a sixteen year old out in the real world, that's what they would be wearing. Like Buffy's right. outfits would never be on a teenager, but. Yeah. But it's interesting the direction the show went. I'm presuming this is the same costume department, but they're mm-hmm. they seem to be intentionally dressing her this way to like make the case that she's younger than Buffy and her friends. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I I was just I don't I just found myself thinking about it in this episode because it really makes Don seem like super young when we have to start I, you know realizing also, that she's not that young at least not as you know what she, else is sorry I was saying just she's not any any younger than Buffy was when this show first started. That's true. I think what actually, though, now that you're making me sit and think about it, what's really interesting is that Don was probably one of the only people that they cast age appropriate, like actually close to her age, though. All of them were in their 20s when they were doing those early seasons. So it's also yeah. not it's not just a, that they're going out of their way to make her look younger. She's much younger than the actors were when they were playing her. She, Michelle Trachtenberg, is much younger than they were. I mean, Cordelia was like 28 in season one of Buffy. Like, there's just no you know what I mean? Like, it's also silly sometimes how I think that's not silly, but it's so it's interesting how as viewers, sometimes it's like we get so used to seeing high schoolers played by 20 year olds that it's like easy to forget. Like, this is what a 16 year old really looks like. Yeah. And it makes it easier not to look at maybe sometimes their outfits and be like, first of all, I would never be allowed to wear that to school. And second, <laughs> right, like, right, right, because it doesn't yeah. seem that weird because it's on someone who looks older. Right. Yeah. So maybe that's it. Like, maybe if they took some of, like, Sarah Michelle Gellar's, like, season one wardrobe and tried to put it on Michelle Trachtenberg, they would be like, uh-oh, we can't do this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Anyway, it's not really important to the story other than I... No. Like, <clears throat> that whole scene with Clem really got me down, like, a, a, a thoughtful rabbit hole around, like, the way that they write Dawn versus the way they wrote her and her fr- Buffy and her friends. Yeah. I do have one other comment, and this is because I was thinking about what you said last week about Spike. Sorry, we haven't talked oh, about Spike. Oh, we haven't also, talked Spike about is, Spike, Spike, is still in the background on his, <laughs> Spike is still in the background on his quest fighting big bad demons or whatever. I totally forgot about that until this moment. Good thing I made a note specifically about this, so good thing I did that. Um, I did think it was interesting, and maybe you, maybe I misunderstood what you were saying, but I did actually listen to part of our podcast, so I heard you say it twice. <laughs> um, when we were talking about Spike in last week's episode, and he's on this mission, and you said that you thought he was actually going after his chip, and it's only later that he finds out like he gets a soul, but that wasn't what he was going after. That was how I understood your 
yes. assessment of the situation. I feel like that's a huge reason why you and I have different feelings about Spike ultimately, because it's a very different thing to think he just gets handed a soul than to think he has gone out of his way specifically to get it back. So I guess I just think that's probably part of why you've never softened up as much to him in the end, because well, if you feel like it's just something he's getting handed, it doesn't feel nearly as noble as like literally going to the ends of the earth to get it back, no, no I, matter what. I want to make the distinction that I don't think that he gets his soul handed to him. Like we're watching him go through these trials and like but that it's you obviously yeah. not easy, but I do think that there is a purposeful vagueness about the way that he and this demon are interacting where yes, it's because they want to surprise you at the end that, you know, Oh, he's getting his soul back. But the way that Spike was talking about it when he, in the last episode with the demon, it sounded to me like he was just asking to be rid of this handicap. Right. And Mm -hmm. that he wanted to be returned to his former self. But for Spike that he isn't thinking far enough back that his former self is like William. It's, Still Spike. It's just Spike mm-hmm. sans whatever evolution he's gone through post chip. And so it's not as simple as saying he just wants the chip removed. I think it's like he wants the chip removed and he wants to be restored back to his old way of thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I agree. It's But is that what you always thought? Or is yes. this that was just something that you thought? Since I, we I thought this that was always what he was going after and that oh, wow. then yeah. his soul was like okay. the twist. But like it's a twist for Spike as well. I and think it's only I, a twist you know, for Spike. Okay. And I was thinking about that too, because I was like, you and I definitely read that very yeah. differently. And <laughs> yeah. I you know, there's other Buffy podcasts out there and some of them are around the same place we are in the in their uh-huh. journey. And I was reading some Twitter threads and I was like, I think that my interpretation is not uncommon. <laughs> I don't think I'm so I'm shocked to hear that I've like never had even a question about it I always thought they just write this this way to twist the viewers at the end but that Spike is specifically going to get his soul back but I don't but but I want to be clear that I don't I don't hold that against Spike I don't think that that takes anything away from him getting his soul back Angel got his back Uh, in a very similar manner of he didn't ask for it it was just (laughs) that's why it matters that's why it matters to me, though, because I, that's what I always thought the fundamental, not the fun, yeah, no, the fundamental difference between Angel and Spike is that Spike asks for this back. And yeah. He doesn't just get it as a curse. The, and that's always why I felt like he was ultimately more noble than Angel, because, yeah, Angel is only good because of, like, destiny, not because he's worked really hard for it. Whereas, like, this is a huge moment for, for me to see, that, like, Spike is seeking this out, knowing that it's going to make things difficult and confusing. I mean, I'm sure he doesn't really understand the, the breadth of that, but anyway. Yeah, okay, well, I, I think that's very interesting, and I never knew you thought that. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I feel like we've had this argument about Spike and Angel before, and you're always like, but blah, 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 and I'm always like, but he gets his soul back, and you were probably like, yeah, he gets his soul back, but like we never got at the heart <laughs> of why, what we were saying there, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, and I... Okay, well, that's not, interesting, though. You know, and all the reasons that I have trouble softening up to Spike again are the all the reasons I talked about before, which are that the show has written him into oh, a corner totally. that... Oh, totally, yes it's hard to break him out of because like, yes, we have to make the, the argument that Spike with a soul is like angel with a soul and like his past crimes probably can't count against him. Right. But the show has now made it so hard to buy that argument because they have yeah. just obliterated this line between soul and no soul. It's true. Yeah. And I, and I agree with you ultimately. And I think that other than on probably my very initial watch through of the show, I think I've also been pretty aware that like, I know that he, 
I know that I'm picking a side, right? And I'm actively ignoring certain things because I don't like them and I don't think that they're true, but that's not, yeah. But I guess I, I know that I'm doing that. Like I'm going out of my way to like say, well, that part isn't part of my headcanon. So who cares? But I get it's, it's fair to say like, Hey, it's in the show. So it's canon. You know what I mean? So yeah. Yeah. Okay. But that's very interesting. I really never knew that you thought that, or if we, I, I'm sure we've talked about it before and I just didn't understand what you were really saying until we sat down for an hour and talked about <laughs> one episode. Well, it's tricky because on the one hand, like I do feel like I'm just taking the twist at face value and I'm like letting the show kind of dupe me. And like, I'm, I, I think, yeah, like, I feel I, like you are. Maybe I should be smarter about that, but I just really felt the way it played out in that initial scene is that Spike was there for a specific purpose and it wasn't a soul. I guess I just think ultimately that's something he could have gotten with a lot less effort. Not that he wouldn't still have to work, but I just don't see why he needs to go to, you know, whatever ambiguous country to, to do all of this stuff to get that back. It just seems like overkill. I mean, he could have just walked down state. the street and said, Willow, Hey, how about you restore my soul? Exactly. Like, well, <laughs> I mean, she probably, yeah. She's yeah, the only person true. around who's done it before. So That's true. That's true. But I don't, yeah. And hmm. can't she just conjure up an orb of Thessala? Probably. But she was, well, to be fair, she wasn't doing magic anymore. It's true. Yeah. By the time he left. Yeah. So. Well, I look forward right. to more arguments about well, this yeah. next season. <laughs> uh well, I'm curious if they, you know, elucidated. I guess I just, I have no question that I'm correct, but I'm also like, it's surprising <laughs> to me that you're saying there's like, I mean, it's not surprising. Obviously, there's lots of Twitter threads. There's a lot of Twitter threads defending Xander in a bunch of dumb ways. So obviously, you know, I take everybody with a grain of salt. But yeah. I, it is interesting to me that there's a lot of people that think that. I you're making me want to delve into it, but I also sort of don't want to. Last week. <laughs> but I was like, that's too petty. I won't do that. <laughs> anyway. Well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> on to Angel. Yes. Um, speaking of lack of context. I mean, I also frequently see Reddit threads about how, how Angel is the better show. So uh -huh. <laughs> it's like, that's also why I'm like, I don't think I can participate. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have the time to explain to you the, how wrong you are. <laughs> so let's just not. We will just attack your character in 100 and 80 characters or whatever the <laughs> 280 whatever the limit is now um maybe that's the problem it's too much leeway um anyway <laughs> All right. okay benediction so uh oh my gosh i just watched this okay this <laughs> really tough. uh so angel is reeling because Connor is back and he encountered with him. Everybody's at the hotel, like kind of waiting for Angel to come back, wondering what the hell has been happening. Angel comes back and tells them, I found him. He's okay. He's not here. Like I let him go. And, um, everybody's kind of like, why you let him go? And he's, you know, kind of trying to explain, I think his state of mind, but, um, you know, Everybody's trying to move on and figure out, like, what to do. So Fred's building, like, a detector for anything that came through the portal. Um, Cordelia's trying to be there for Angel. Gru's trying to assess what that means. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, Connor, meanwhile, has met up with Holtz and is, um, you know, introducing him to, like, the foods of this world, I guess. <laughs> and, you know, trying to... Um, catch him up on like what's been going on and so Holtz tells him you know I think that you should go and get to know him and see 
the devil in his own lair, essentially. Um, and so Connor does. He goes back to the hotel, so shows up, surprises everyone, and Angel is thrilled. Like, he's like, oh, my gosh, like, you came back, and, like, we're going to go out and get some food. But then Cordelia has a vision, and Angel decides to take Connor with him to go fight these vampires that they're going to encounter. They end up at a nightclub. Um, turns out the victim is Justine, who is got tipped off by Lila that there's going to be a bunch of vampires at this club. So she's waiting to fight them. And the vampires have been tipped off that Justine is there because Lila set this up as a way to kill Justine and invited Wesley to watch. Um, Wesley's not really that interested in staying for the slaughter, but it, it's also unclear if he's going to try to stop this situation from happening. But before he leaves, he sees Angel show up and they watch this fight between Angel and the vampires and Connor's helping Angel. And it becomes apparent to everybody who knows Angel's history that this must be Connor because he fights just like Angel, like, you know, everybody realizes father and son. Um, mm-hmm. And that's pretty much the last we see of Wesley. So we don't really know what his reaction <laughs> is to seeing that Connor is back and alive. Um, meanwhile, Angel and Connor kind of bond over this experience. Connor goes back to um, the, the motel with Holtz and is trying to tell him, like, but I know, I know what he really is. I saw his true face. And Holtz is like, but I saw yours too. Like, you, you really seemed like you enjoyed this and, like, you know, you – had you kind of like bonded with him and so Connor ends up back at the hotel and kind of they they all become aware that Holtz is here and so Angel decides that he's gonna go and give Holtz either a piece of his mind or kill him it's not really clear but he's gonna go confront Holtz and everybody's kind of like giving him different advice like I mean Cordelia straight up tells him like you should kill him he stole Connor and he stole his childhood and took him to that place you know, everyone else is a little bit like, I don't know. But the ultimate thing is that Angel decides he's not going to tell Connor where he's going. Mm-hmm. Um, so Fred and Gunn take Connor to the beach to distract him and show him some good things in this world. And, you know, the ocean, the beach, really nice. Um, but he overhears them talking about how Angel has gone to confront Holtz. So Connor runs back to the motel, finds Holtz dead of an apparent vampire bite. But what he didn't see was what we saw, which is Justine finding Holtz and Holtz convincing her to kill him essentially with like a tuning fork or something um, to make it look like he got bit by a vampire. So he's now had himself killed to convince Connor that Angel did it. Meanwhile, after having given Angel a note, basically telling his son, like, this is where you belong. So he's he's playing the long game here, trying to, you know. Okay. Again, I'm glad that you said that because I was a little, I wasn't a little bit unsure in the end. Um, when, when she killed him, I thought it was a single pronged thing. Oh, it might've been. I was just, and so then, but I guess I mean to say then I, I, I was unclear to me at the end if she had done the second puncture mark to set Angel up or if that is what he asked her to do. But it makes more sense that he asked her to do it because otherwise, why didn't he just kill himself? Right. Okay. All right. But still think he could have, I don't know, whatever. Yeah. Um, Okay. Um, And meanwhile, there's a little bit of conflict between Cordelia and Lorne and Connor when he realizes that that they're kind of part demon because um, he's clearly anti-demon, but Cordelia works her magic on him and kind of like cleanses him a little bit. 
Um, yeah. But whether that works, yeah, she I did. Don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Also, what are her powers? Uh, sure. Sure, sure, sure. Whatever they want them to be in the moment, I don't know. Um, okay. There were one there were a couple of things that I liked about this episode, so I'm gonna save those for the end so that uh I have nice things to say. But can yeah, I, I mean can sorry, can I say the most yeah. important thing that I learned from this episode? Sh- sure. And I've been calling him Connor this whole time, okay. Yeah. But his name is Steven. You're right. It is Steven. All right. But it's Steven Holtz. <laughs> so his name is Steve, Steve Holtz. Holtz. <laughs> oh my god, I never would have put that together. So from now on, I will call him Steve Holtz. Steve Holtz. <laughs> uh, that's pretty great. All right. I mean, I guess we should be calling him Steven, but they're going to resort revert to calling him Connor later, I guess. They do. Yeah. I mean, yes. I should respect his wishes. Um but it's confusing doing commentary on a fictional show. Uh, yeah. So, yes, Steve, Steve Holt is. <laughs> I, I mean, it's not a surprise the things that I don't like about this episode. It's I still hate Holtz. I still hate Justine. I don't know why they brought her back. I don't at all understand her devotion to this man. I, I mean, I guess to be fair, it really hasn't been that long for her the way it's been a really long time for Holtz. But like. I do not understand how he has this thrall over her. They obviously gave her a monologue to try and explain it, and I thought it was complete BS. I don't buy it. Um, and I just, I, I hate that Holtz dies thinking he has the moral high ground. Like, he really never gets just punishment, I don't think. He obviously suffered a lot in the, you know, 200 years ago when Angel killed his family, and he deserves that, and he deserves to feel the things that he needs to feel about that. But he has been nothing but amoral since then you know and even then i'm sure his morals were pretty questionable so it's like just because something bad happened to you it doesn't absolve every behavior that you do he not only kidnapped somebody else's kid to punish angel he punished connor by making him grow up in a demon dimension so it's like they they maybe touch base on that briefly but it's like how dare you purport to be his true loving father you've clearly manipulated this you know child he really you are his father to him and that's not connor's fault slash steven's fault but like I just, that Holtz can be anything other than utterly despicable is just totally maddening. I guess that is kind of the point. I guess I just, once again, though, it's not enjoyable television for me. I hate Holtz more than I've hated any character, I think, in this entire universe. I really hate him. I hate him as a person. You know, like, if he were a real person, I would punch him in the face. But also, like, I hate what he does to the show. And I hate how his how he goes out. I don't like this. I mean, maybe it's good for me that I'm feeling angry about it, right? But I don't know. It's just, like, I don't like it. It is really frustrating, right, that this is how... Is it because in some way we we see him kind of winning? And yeah, I don't want him to win. I mean, and but then am I just too coddled by TV that I like can't accept that sometimes the bad guys sort of win? I think it's because... But again, I think it's because like I, I, I just don't see a lot of clear evidence from the show about like where they really are landing on him. I feel like they give, they're giving him a lot of passes. Like he has that conversation with Angel... I don't really feel like anyone ever just says out loud, hey, you kidnapped a child and forced him to live in a demon dimension for 15 years just so that you could stick it to Angel. And, like, meanwhile, brainwashed him against his father, who you know is good-hearted now. Like, that, and there's nothing about that is okay. as to why he gets a pass on that is because, oh, at least I didn't kill your child. And it's right. like, is there really a difference? Because you did yeah. take him away to this dimension and He's erase never whatever seen, identity yes. and childhood he would have had. 
He didn't have a childhood. He's a vicious killer now. He has so much pain and suffering. He's never seen the ocean. Like, none of that is acceptable parenting behavior. And then at the end, you manipulate him once again. Like, your dying wish is to manipulate your son one last time. Like, you do not love this kid. I How dare you tell Justine that what you feel for him is love? Because it is so clearly not. You've never seen him as anything other than a tool and a means and a way to, end, to, end, to Angel. So... I just don't buy it. They really let him get away with saying a lot of things that he needs to be called out for. I hate that he doesn't get called out for it. And then now he's dead. <laughs> so he never will. <laughs> did I miss Ugh. it? Or did they talk about how Connor got out? They uh, briefly talked about it. It wasn't anything like... It wasn't illuminating, It wasn't like right? a... Like, I didn't really no, get no, it. No, no, yeah. no. He was like, I should have known you would find a way out. And then... I actually, I only know because I had to rewind the scenes because he said something about like, oh, I talked to the slucks with a K. Didn't it sound like slut? I thought he said sluts. Yeah, and I was like, excuse me? And yeah. so then I made us rewind the scene, but then the uh, closed captions came on and then I was like, oh, okay, that wasn't what he said. So Yeah, I thought yes, he was like, was oh, an I explanation. made the show me a way out. And I was like, yeah. what? <laughs> yeah, no, 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 that was not what he said. And I specifically rewound it to watch it again. So that, but that was the whole explanation. He, yes, he found some being there that could explain something so that he could get out. Mm. Okay, so, yeah, I hate Holtz. I hate Justine. Why is Justine back? Honestly. Just to be the surprise, I guess. I, yeah. I don't know. For Wesley to notice her, for, like, Lila to be able to lure Wesley there, but, like, that's barely important. I. Yeah. yeah. Also, I mean, I guess just to, like, finish it out, like, who else is Holtz going to get to kill him? Like, who else is fanatical enough to, like, right. do that? I, I really kind of um, think he could have done this himself, though. Again, Holtz is, like, determined. He doesn't care who he involves in his madness because, like, he really thinks he is, oh, my God, and how many times he brought up God in this episode. First of all, it was a little bit jarring because I really don't, we really don't deal with, other than crosses are bad for, for, the um, Vampires, like, we really don't talk about God a lot in the series, and I, I did find it to be quite jarring. But I felt like I, it made honestly, sense really because it Holtz does is make a sense, fanatical vampire hunter because he views Angel as, like, an affront to God. I know that you're right, but I'm just... It, it was off-putting to have Connor repeatedly be like, But this at this is the point, God, you know, how difficult no, is it to remember the time period that Holtz is originally from? No, no, I do remember. I guess I just, it still was, I felt like it was a, it was weird. It was weird. I don't think it was wrong. I just thought it was weird. Well, I mean, to have Connor say it was a little bit like, what? Yeah. 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 Ugh. No, I agree. I, you know, uh, yeah, I, um, this, uh, let me I, just say this episode did not feel like a benediction. Okay. <laughs> no, it didn't. It didn't. <laughs> I guess, actually, there were quite a few things that I did like about this episode, but I want to get the one last thing that I didn't like out of my chest. I think I, they were doing such a good job writing the Angel and Cordelia storyline, and I really don't like it right now. I feel like they are just in such a weird place together and having this, like, I guess I mean to say, I haven't liked Cordelia in the last few episodes, and I'm not exactly sure why that is. But I guess it's because she's feeling a little bit Justine-like to me in that, like, she yes. just is so devoted to Angel, but, like, he doesn't always earn it. And she's, in the past, been really good about calling him out when he needed to be. And the fact that she kind of stops doing that is, like, really, it's kind of throwing off their whole dynamic. Like, You're the absolutely they right. Were, that was the reason they were good together. Yes. She stopped checking Angel's worst impulses and yeah. instead seems to be a blind devotee where, yeah. like, she comes back and she won't even acknowledge Wesley's existence right, and the fact that right. he's still alive because she can only focus on Angel. But again, everyone else seems to be doing what Cordelia used to do, which is question Angel and do all of that. And I don't know when she got this like blind devotion to him. No. And you know, we it's frustrating to watch her 
act this way at the expense of Wesley, at the expense of the Grusalog, at the yeah. expense of like everything else. And it, I think you're right that it feels weird, weirdly out of character for her. And well, it makes this tension or whatever, this will they, won't they that they have. Like, mm-hmm. Whereas maybe 10 episodes ago, I felt like they were really earning it. And I was like, they really were, on board. Yeah. Whereas like the last few episodes, I'm like, oh God, no. Like, yeah, just, same. Like you guys yeah. are terrible together right now. They're too insular. Like they, they only look to each other at the expense of everyone else and like shut yeah. everyone else out of like any decision making. And it's, yeah, it's very really weird. frustrating and really unfair. And you know, this whole episode is like meant to show you Grusula coming to the realization that like, what she he has with him. her isn't meant yeah. to be, but like the way that it happens is so like her negligence of him is so cruel. Like it is. She like, he was gone he for a whole day. Yes, and she and first of all, when he comes back, she doesn't even notice. She thinks it's Angel. Like right, yeah, that was heartbreaking. Yeah, I did yeah, like his no. his talk with Lauren though. <laughs> Me too. Um, and Lauren is another thing that I liked in this episode, but, um, I guess I just loved a, Lauren telling <laughs> yeah. Connor what, what was so, what, like, hey, you little sorry. punk, like, wait, wait, wait. Uncle Lauren. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, no, but I'm not done with the Cordelia thing just because just to put it one, oh, one final note on it is just that in fact, at the end of, you know, towards the end of the episode, she even says to Angel, like, oh, we're going to do our thing where I tell you not to do this thing and you don't listen to me. And I was like, it's. So it's extra frustrating, first of all, that she's calling that out. But specifically, more than in any other previous case, I think, normally she's trying to stop Angel from being reckless with his own life. But this time, he literally, his plan is to go and kill his son's father. Like, I just, like, Angel, this is such a bad plan. You can't do this. You know, you've been so careful this whole episode. He's, like, trying not to push, you know, Connor too far. And it's like, so the way, like, she says it to him, and then he still just... Allie, his plan is to murder Connor's father. You know, the person that he thinks of as his father figure who's told him that Angel is evil. I'm like, even just, obviously, you do have the moral high ground here. You should kill Holtz, I think. But you know that you can't do it right now. Why are you being so willful about this? So I just, that scene really turned me off, too. again, this, like, insular tunnel vision that they have where, you know, yes, we might know that he has the moral high ground or, like, that even killing him might be the thing to do, but, like... The way that she's like, Angel, you know, this is like his father figure. And Angel just says, I'm his father. No, and I it's know. Like, I'm, you're I'm so sorry. Dismissive. You might think that. Your son does not think that. And like, how could to he take him that? away from him, yeah. like, how would that ever, like, get him on your side? No, exactly. I'm just like, there's no part of this that is a good plan right now for what no. you want, which is for your son to love you. <laughs> this isn't the way there. So, yes. Okay. But, yes. Uncle... Uh, Uncle, Uncle Filthy Lauren. Demon to you. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Lauren, Lauren was great. You're right. He was great. I like. I really like that scene with the Grease Log too. You're right. Like it was not very subtle, but I don't think it was meant to be. And I just, I did think it was very satisfying. I mean, again, the Grease Log is great. I really like him as a character, and I really wish that they weren't just using him as a temporary, you know, obstacle. I think he could have really stuck around for a while. <laughs> I mean, he has yeah. been around for a, a minute, but I think he could have done a lot more. Well, they really haven't. Not brought really. Him into the He's been around, but like, right. They were off screen for like three episodes. It's true. You're right. He really has been not, and he never has been the main. He hasn't really gotten his own storyline, you yeah. know. Although, speaking of that, I will say I did like Holt's like his own kind of dismay as like he's reading the newspaper and he's like, it's been days. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, this has been a really short time. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, but you're right. Yes. Lauren is great. I'm appreciate. Yes. Everything he said to Connor, he needed to hear. I'm sure he didn't really take it to heart, but yes. Um, 
I also did, uh, you know, I obviously have some mixed feelings about Connor in as a character and in this particular moment. And I don't like almost anything that Angel has done at all in this episode. I did think they did a pretty cool father son fight scene in that bar. I thought that was fun to watch. So that was my like, I was like, dang, I did. I did enjoy this. That did look really cool. And I felt like their special effects around Connor were were a bit better this episode. I think maybe they just weren't trying so hard to make it big and flashy. So instead they were doing things that were just smaller scale. And it was like, oh, it's better to just watch him do kind of an impressive leap instead of making him ride a bus, you know, over a green screen. Yeah, because like, you can just get some wires in for that instead of yeah. like whatever CGI nonsense they had. <laughs> yeah, I just felt like they were handling it a little bit better. And I could get got even a better sense of really of his capabilities in this episode, I think, because of it, because the, the, the special effects around it were a little more subtle. Yeah. Uh, I did. I liked their father to son tag team in the bar. I less liked their little. I did think it was cute that they were play fighting in the in the um, in the alley, but it was a little bit like I, I, I you know, I just question Angel's judgment a little bit of like I ha- again. I like looked down for a second. I was like, wait, did he try and hug Connor? And I was like, oh no, he just immediately went for the like play fight thing because he's like not you know. I'm just knocking Angel for, again, being a little bit too, like, stuck on his own masculinity and to, like, be, like, vulnerable with his son. I don't think Connor would have accepted a hug, so ultimately I get why the play fighting thing makes sense, but it was still a little bit like, Angel, can you try? But I think I'm just being negative there for no reason. No, that was a little weird. I just felt like that just read, like, Angel's emotional immaturity. Yeah, yeah. It's like, can't you try something a little bit more daunting first? But sure. So, yeah, I... I mean, I have to say, not again, not that I don't want to say more things that I don't like, and I don't want them to be about Cordelia. I really feel like they're doing this weird, like, <laughs> well, I know how this is going to sound, maybe, but, like, they're sort of deifying her now with these powers. Is that because they're setting the stage for whatever nonsense yeah. happens? They are, right? Because are it does feel out of, it feels out of left field. Like, she like has that, like that obviously... Scene where she basically, like, blesses Connor. Yeah, it was so weird. And I appreciate that that makes, like, when I say, like, what even are her powers, I get that they themselves don't really know, but they really use it in this weird, the show writers really are wielding it in a strange way to, like, yeah, to just make her feel even more otherworldly when what really Cordelia's strength has always been is how grounded she is. So, like, I appreciate that her superpower kind of mimics her real world power, real world power, but I do think that it would have been better if it had, if she had been able to make any dent in Connor first just by talking to him because she has almost always been able to do that. So I think it was, a, I think that's part of why it's bothering me is because like, not only was it this sort of creepy God godness to her that doesn't really feel right, but it's also kind of taking away from what she really can do as a human. Like Cordelia has really been strong without her demon powers. That really is a by, you know, that is a, what is that called? <laughs> like it's incidental. She only got those demon powers so that she could keep having her visions and do all the stuff that she was already doing. But they're really now using it as like a crutch to make her seem more powerful. But like she was so powerful already. I kind of resent it. It's it's a little bit frustrating. Um, in a way, like they've reduced her to her power. Yeah. She was so fully fleshed before. All right. I yeah, this does it feel like to you in both cases of these episodes that they're they're moving pieces in place for the finales, um, but it but it feels like a very like I don't know like it's not subtle I guess. I didn't feel that way in Buffy. No, 
Is that what I, you mean? Yeah, in I kind of did, but it, Buffy was a little less so, yeah, but like they're obviously setting everything up for like this big showdown, but like for Angel, that's definitely what's happening. Yeah. I guess I actually wasn't really my impression of either one, although I... I, yeah, you're right. I mean, you're not wrong, but I did feel like, especially in Buffy, there's so much else. Like I said, like all of the actual ways that they got them there were things that needed to happen. Like Buffy and Willow needed to have those conversations. You know what I mean? So like it doesn't, I don't, I don't agree really with the Buffy one. And this one, yeah, there's a lot of place setting as always. And they don't ruminate on the things that could have been really interesting, which is that like Fred and Connor have this interesting connection in that they've both been expelled to demon dimensions. And I think he did... He does just kind of dismisses it outright, though, which is fair coming from him. But I feel like from, the, you know, again, from my perspective, it's kind of not satisfying to be like, oh, you could really explore this idea that he has a connection with Fred. And instead, we just like write it away in one minute. But I do think that that's really interesting because like maybe for Connor, that wasn't the getting lost part. Like now is the lost yeah, part. now he's lost. That's true. Yeah. Because like he he went there as an infant. Like it's a little weird for Fred to phrase it as he got lost because he was like doesn't know anything only else. a few months old and isn't really going to know any different. Yeah, that's true. Okay. Did you did you get through your list of good things? Yeah, my good things were Lauren, the father-son tag team fight scene. Um I guess the Grusel log. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um I just want to make sure we get through everything <laughs> positive because yes. <laughs> uh yeah. It's uh yeah. Uh I'm waiting for you know, maybe next season will be better. I don't know. Maybe. maybe. Probably not. Uh, yeah, uh-huh. probably not. I'm waiting when for the fifth season. Like, I just feel like I'm holding out, and it's like... I see. You're just waiting for the puppet episode. <laughs> well, that whole... I like that whole season. No, like, just... They get a bit of a jolt, you know, of casting and the surroundings, like the setting changes and all of that is, you know... Like, the hotel, hmm. I think, is part of the problem. Maybe. Yeah. It seemed like such a cool set when they went there, but it, they haven't really made use of it at all. And mm-hmm. it's just, like, really frustrating. That's true. It really is just a like, place. Yeah. On this giant cavern, like, cavernous, like, you know, lobby set always. So. Yeah. Okay. Well, next time we have the finales of mm-hmm. season six of Buffy and season three of Angel, which means mm-hmm. we're heading into the final season of Buffy. Oh, my God. That's... I know you're not looking forward to it. <laughs> uh, no, I am. I am. Because it's the season that I remember the least. Um, I, I fully expect to have some good surprises and some bad surprises. That's kind yeah. of... So I think it'll be good. I think overall, I remember, I usually don't hate this next one as much as most people, but... The finale? The the next season. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But we're not there yet, because we still got to get there. through the finale. Yeah. So yes. not to skip too far ahead. Next time, we've got Grave and mm-hmm. Tomorrow. Yes. So. <laughs> okay. Do you have any pop culture? Um, no, I mean, I've mostly been playing Zelda. I have been watch- catching up now on the last season of Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and it's still great. So that's been fun. I, I kind of, you know how you just sometimes you just lose track of things because they're not airing on, uh, I don't know. I was just like, oh, now it's all on Hulu. So now I'm watching it. It's been good. Yeah, I am. Um, I'm kind of behind it in a similar way, but that's because I got rid of um, my regular cable. So Mm -hmm. if I'm, like, not recording things, I, like, forget about them. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so I'm not... Well, it's all on Hulu now. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's been good. Um, They had... Lin Mo- Lin Manuel Miranda. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was. I didn't realize that was coming, and then I was like, "Oh, this is a pleasant surprise." That was good. It was a good yeah. episode. 
Um, yeah, no, that show's okay. still good. Um, what okay. about you? Uh, no, I don't really oh, have okay. anything. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I've just been rewatching um, the early seasons of Great British Bake Off, so. Okay. <laughs> My pop culture is from like 2012. <laughs> um, okay, well, so like I said, Ugh. next time we've got Grave and Tomorrow, but this week, what team are you on? Uh, uh, I'm like flipping, flipping through the relatives of characters. Uh, I can tell you mine. Team Lorne. Okay. That's second place to Jonathan, but I just don't think I can say it because like, he's still a criminal. Yeah. Well, okay. I have mine because I know what I'm going to choose next time. Okay. (laughs) Yes. Okay. So I'm Team Giles. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're right. That was a good one. He earned it in her. his, like, five seconds of screen time. So. It's true. It's true. Yeah. But he took Willow out temporarily. And, and he's back. So Team Giles. Yes. Because I probably won't pick him next time. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's my only chance. <laughs> yes. That's what I wrote in my notes, like, really big. I wrote, Team Giles. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, all right. Well, I'll talk to you next time. All right. Bye. Bye. Once More with Commentary is produced by me, Allie. And me, Ginny. Our theme music is from the album Rockingham by Nerf Herder. And our podcast logo is by Ryan Cooney. You can email us at scoobies at oncemorewithcommentary.com with any feedback, questions, comments that you have. And find us on Twitter and Instagram at omwcpodcast. You can also find our most recent episodes and any show notes at oncemorewithcommentary.com. Commentary.com.